My name is Claudine Ullman, actress, improviser, and all-round hustler, and you're listening to The Big Time Podcast, my chance to speak to industry greats, movers, shakers, and game changers, people who are making waves and setting new standards. Who are they? What inspires them? And what do they have to do to hit the big time? My guest today has been named Best Dressed Man by GQ magazine. He's an actor, TV presenter, designer, entrepreneur, and model. In 2013, he was named Cosmo's sexiest South African man, but he is unfortunately fully clothed, seated in front of me in my lounge. Please welcome Masejo Maps Maponyane. Thank you very much for having me. Woo! woo. Yeah. I have to be my own crowd. Sorry, I never, I never get anything unless my mom's around. There's no one that ever claps or screams for me. Woo, 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 woo. And mom. we can put in a, a, totally. You know, I'm your biggest fan. And <laughs> we can put in a clapping track as well. That is how. It's 2017. Yeah, perfect, that is yeah, how advanced we, can, we are. We can do that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I obviously did my research. You know, I adore you. I am doing research online. I have seen Maps's abs more than I have seen my own. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I don't know if that makes sense, but it is absolutely true. I can see your abs coming through that t-shirt right now. Underneath the layers? Underneath the layers of soft marshmallow? Can Look, I tell you something? If really? anything, you're proactive. Winter's coming. So <laughs> exactly. you got to stay warm. It's survival of the fittest. Exactly. <laughs> you're dying first, just saying. <laughs> can I tell you what's so funny? I used to do the stand-up set where I spoke about like Chester Missing having a puppet and I don't need a puppet because I've got my tummy and I would show my tummy on stage. <laughs> and people would laugh, but for all the wrong reasons. I think people laugh at the, the appreciation of the self-deprecation of it. Yeah, well, totally. And you know what you don't want? You don't want to take off your shirt and for someone to go, wow, you are so brave. Yeah. <laughs> you are so brave. You know, you want, well, Maps, you're the sexiest person alive. You really don't want, well, Claudine, that is bravery. That is, yeah, I can't imagine that's the nicest feeling. But um, yeah, I see a lot of people owning that a whole lot more. I mean, what I am owning is carbs late at night. That's what I'm owning. Chocolate cake, potatoes, bread. mm I am. I'm a huge fan. Jeez, that's uh, you are brave. Wow, wow, you really are brave. Thank you, thank you. Standing up for women all over the world. Hundred percent. There's no body bashing going on here. So, Maps, my darling, as he moves the carbohydrates away from him, the muffins. I need to know how you got into this industry. What inspired you to become these ten million things? Couldn't you have just chosen to be a doctor or a lawyer? I was looking for a job and needed to make money. And this is how I ended up where I am. Pretty much in, in sum, that was it. Um, when I finished matric, my parents were pretty much just like, yo, you're on your own. I don't imagine my mom said, yo. Uh, <laughs> yo, she, boy. She, she just said, listen, this is the situation at home. You're on your own. We've sent you to a good school. Do whatever you can, but you need to find a job. And I needed to do exactly that, find a job, figure out what I liked, what I enjoyed doing, what I always wanted to sort of try out. 
And I realized that I love people. I loved talking. I had a severe stutter from the first words I spoke to the age of about 12. So when What? I overcame my stutter, That's um, amazing. I just always decided that I would monetize my speech oratory mm. skill in any way. And that would be sort of my payback to my once um, disadvantage. All the school kids would always make fun of me when I was in school of having the stutter and I think as soon as I started owning it and then when I overcame it, I always decided that that would be the thing that would be, you know, the main feature on anything I did moving forward. And now everything I do is speak pretty much uh, will involve speaking. I haven't shut up since overcoming my stutter <laughs> and it's worked out well. I remember in that first year, which is, a, I guess, a forced gap year in a sense, I was going to audition after audition because I wanted to get into TV presenting and that involved like, you know, that talking and I couldn't get sports involved or lifestyle, whatever it was. And the first job I got in that sort of realm in the media industry, because I was already a sales assistant at Akajo <laughs> at the time, selling you the same thing every single season. The same exact thing, maybe in a different color. Started um, from the bottom, now you're here. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I I got into TV presenting job called F&B Classic Clashes, which is a schoolboy rugby show. And that was on Supersports. And I went into uh, field reporting and commentating and, you know, different aspects of it. And then... One thing led to another. Someone had mentioned that I was okay to look at. So I should probably try make, um, you know, go into modeling to make extra money. So I was like, okay, cool. And I joined an agency. They didn't like me at all in a sense that they didn't think I was any good in terms of the looking Not comfortable side of in front of the camera or not good looking? Not, Were they blind? Not good looking enough to be... You know, up front, they, they Did they, they actually have eyes in their head? <laughs> Could they see? They thought <laughs> the whole thing was just too sort of commercial. They would basically say to me that my glasses were not going to work. Um, it's not very model-like. No one's going to like the look or anything. And I was like, okay, fine. Then I'll just uh, find another agency. And that's exactly what I did. And they thought because I was committed to making that my trademark something that would distinguish me. They liked my look. Uh, they couldn't quite place my age, which is also beneficial. So I remember I was already like at 21 when I was in commercials. I had like three kids in some commercials. <laughs> Didn't make sense He's to 42. Me. He's 42. <laughs> <laughs> From there, you know, getting more and more jobs in the, in the modeling side of things, one thing led to another. Those other agencies were trying to get me back um, in their stable, but obviously I didn't go back. And I just started growing in different ways. I was a PA to the director of SA Fashion Week, Priscilla Boyson, and then sort of worked my way up the ranks with her, doing a few seasons and becoming her assistant director, essentially. And my love for fashion grew in that regard. And then I was sort of out there a little bit more with everything. And people started having a bit more of my face in their daily lives. And then My name came around with GQ, Best Dressed, and Cosmo, and I was uh, doing a couple other TV shows. So can we, just because it is so foreign to me, Cosmo's sexiest man, how, did they, how do you find out that you're even nominated? And what did you do to celebrate? Like walk around the house naked? How do, how do you celebrate that? I'll put my clothes on. <laughs> um, I think was the option I went for. Um, it was actually a bit cringy, to be honest. I, how it all happened was just, uh, 
or coincidence. I was in Cape Town and I was shooting something and my friend who is a model needed someone to go to casting with. So he went to that Cosmo casting. At the Cosmo casting, it was just like, oh, dude, just, just come in anyway. So you just go there and you literally have this panel of females just judging every bit of you and trying to see if you should be in their calendar. And I really didn't think anything of it. And then they asked me to be in the calendar. And then the voting was out to the public once they chosen their 12 guys for the calendar. And then I ended up winning. It was all very, very weird. So there's a lot of, you know, beefcakes around mm. me and, you know, all these like very atypical sort of jock types and stuff. And yeah, no, that definitely wasn't quite my vibe. And then it happened and I owned it. Yeah, and, totally. And uh, yeah, lots, you have to. It's the lots only way. Has, has sort of just kept coming in that vein, but it's awkward every single time. Maps, what I'm so inspired by is we're both in an industry where there's constant rejection, constant rejection. And what it sounds like to me is that you took that rejection and you said, no means next. I'm going to do whatever I can. I know this is my calling and I have total confidence in what I'm doing and I totally believe in myself. Yeah, I mean, I think calling is pushing it. Um, <laughs> I, I know this is maybe a calling to me making a little bit of cash yeah. um, at the time. But I think I've just always been a person who doesn't take no for an answer. I, As much as I think 10 steps ahead with every single thing I do, there's no plan B for anything I do. It always has to be plan A. I'll go back nonstop until it, it happens in the right way. And I'll keep working at it until it um, until that door opens, so to speak. I've just always been... I've always had a great self-belief in that regard. And I've always wanted to push myself and take risks and, as I say, not take no for an answer. So I end up doing a little bit more than most people would want to do. So I'm mm. not afraid of hard work. I'm not afraid of, you know, early mornings and late nights and doing the same thing. And if, if it's going to get me closer to doing that great thing. And that's what I try to work on every single day. I mean, I've still got a ridiculously long way to go with a lot of the things I want to do and, and achieve. But I am a bit unorthodox in my way of thought. So it's always, you know, getting the basics right. But besides that, my motivation every day and what I'm sort of moved by and spurred on by is the yearning of the possibility of failure. That's what really excites me every day. So I really, really look forward to the possibility of failure every single day. And I literally wake up thinking, cool, so what can I fail at today? Because then I know if there's a possibility of some sort of failure and that something's not as straightforward as it should be, then it's worth the risk and it in turn will be worth the reward that comes with it and is an all-around worthwhile venture that is exciting enough to live life. Otherwise, if we do things routine every single day, then what's the point? Then we're just existing. Totally. And what I love, the moment you said failure, my heart skipped a beat, not only because I was looking at you, but <laughs> because failure is such an important aspect of the way I live my life as well. I'm an improviser. I teach improv. And you can't of, do that without failing. You cannot do it without failing. Yeah. One of the main things is in improv is being able to see failure as an opportunity 
and failure as, you know, a way for something truly magical and exciting to happen. So that's really inspiring to know that failure is an exciting part of your day and something you look forward to. Yeah, so you can always spin it in a favorable way to learn from. And I remember when I still had my stutter and had absolutely no comfort and low self-esteem with it, when I first started, as I said earlier, owning it um, was when it became a great way of adapting that failure into something that was more of an attribute. So I remember the first time I was doing, I think I was in grade two and I was doing a speech on the sports I love. And my stutter was severe that I literally would just stutter on a on every single letter, essentially. And I remember saying, um, you know, hi, I'm Masejo Mapunyani. And my favorite sports, with one S, of course, is, you know, like when I first started doing that and people were laughing and like, I remember the reaction and thinking, you know, you can always actually adapted in a way that can give you the power over whatever it is that you're having difficulty with and I guess make it a whole a whole lot more positive in terms of how to deal with the things that you're going through when it when it comes to failure and disadvantages and difficulties. What's so inspiring to me, Maps, listening to you, is that a stutter can be something that a lot of people totally see it as a disadvantage and something that's going to hold them back. You took this inverted commas problem that you had and your outlook was so positive about it. What journey did you go on to get over your stutter and see it in this light? So I really just had to learn how to get words out at the same speed as my brain was thinking and not colliding with my brain functionality and my audio ability. And because of actually trying to find a rhythm between the two and not creating that traffic jam or those speed bumps of thinking too fast and then not being able to keep up. I mean, what's great now is that when I talk, I can actually do it and not actually have a problem. But then was a completely different issue. That's how I was thinking. And I was just not being able to, you know, keep up and get the words out and everything. Um, I had to do a lot of speech therapy and I had to do a lot of reading, a lot of reading to myself, a lot of reading out loud. Um, And I would literally have to find how I could pronounce a sentence by finding some sort of a rhythm. Because that rhythm that makes it easier for people with stutters to be able to speak. Mm. So if you find someone with a stutter and then you ask them to sing, you'll find that 99.9% of the time they'll be able to sing without a stutter. Yes. Because there's that rhythm that you find with, um, with of course, singing and, 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 and actually saying out something that is already a note and all of that. But yeah. when it comes to speaking and thinking, <clears throat> it's a whole lot more difficult. So just a lot of uh, reading, uh, which is probably where my nerdiness stems from initially. And that eventually got me to a point where my words were coming out my mouth one by one in single file, like an army marching towards the front line. And that's what I always try to work on. I always wanted to be as eloquent and as articulate as possible. And that's what I've always tried to refine. I know for a lot of our listeners, what they would probably be really interested in is how do I become someone like Maps? How do I go on that journey? And what I wanted to ask you is, do you have a daily ritual I don't really have a daily ritual, but when I wake up in the morning, I just try and make sure that I spend my first sort of 10 minutes thinking about the day 
staying away from my my phone because some people wake up immediately and it's, and you're on your phone mm. looking at emails and stuff. I try to dedicate those those ten minutes to think about the day. A lot of the time, be retrospective first. So look at the the previous day and then think about the day that's coming, and then try and clear my thoughts completely and then get up and get going. So you're almost starting off a new slate. You know what you need to do. You put those targets at the end of the day so that you can make sure that you, you know, tick everything by. And I try and make everything work like clockwork. Of course, there's always spanners in the works and not everything goes to plan and that gets frustrating and that can get you frazzled and you can forget to eat and you can forget to do no, all no, sorts no. of that things. No, 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 that never happens. Don't um, understand that. Oh, you can <laughs> can always meet up with Claudine and, and go get some food along the <laughs> always way. Always lunchtime here, mate. <laughs> And it can get a bit manic, but my, my ritual is just to honestly just at least spend some quiet moments by myself in my mind. And set intentions. Yeah. Have clear intentions. 100%. So you'll never hear me say, if someone says, how, how is everything? How's work? You'll never, ever hear me say that it's busy. Mm. Because busy is something that's so fashionable and cool to say and is something that has absolutely no value whatsoever. So everyone's busy with this and busy with that, but then we can all be busy, but what's the point of that? How productive are you being with your being busy? So my aim every single day is to be as productive as possible with every single minute. Yeah. A lot of the time I'll plan things a little bit ridiculously because I'm punctually anal and I get really pissed off when things are thrown off whack. And when it's back to back, it, it ensures that I'm as productive as possible. And with that, you know, I've always let that very strict and tight scheduled lifestyle and this year I've sort of committed to having no F's to give for the things that don't ensure productivity and make me happy. Mm. So I've tried to create gaps here and there so that I can still remember to make time for me. And that includes, you know, being active and actually making time to eat and spend time with people that work with me so that we can keep uh, going back to the drawboard and reassessing things and making sure that Nothing is neglected and I'm not just going with the flow and spending most of my time on things that actually don't bring in any monetary gain, any knowledge, any improvements, self-improvements, or take me one step closer to whatever my purpose is. Totally, totally feel you. And, you know, to live life with that much intention and that much purpose is... It's so, it's so important because it makes you ensure that you're spending every single minute of the day with that intention. What I need to know is what has been that defining moment where you have gone, that's it, I've hit the big time. Um, hasn't happened. Really? No. You don't get voted sexiest no. man of the year and go, wow. None of that I'm stuff. It. None of that stuff. With all due respect to any of the magazines or award shows or publications or whatever that has awarded me any of those, um, none of that stuff actually matters, to be honest. Have you had a moment at least where you've said, This is this is big? This is, you know, this is something that's big for me, a dream I've always wanted to achieve. Yes. I was working at the same time while I was studying at WITS and I was doing a quadruple major while working about three different jobs and I managed to finish my quadruple major while working without taking the scenic route and graduating, having my parents there, having both of them 
tell me that they were proud of me was probably my biggest achievement. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Other than that, yeah, I think I think there's still a horribly long way to go. And I think of of some of the things that I've I've done and I've managed to do and that I'm a part of and I'm extremely grateful, but I'm just so intensely analytical and always look at the holistic view of things and how much it really matters when certain things are stripped away and how much of an impact it can actually make. And is it really just great for me or is it great for a group of people? And all those things need to come together for it to actually be something worthwhile for me. So and that's totally significant. Yeah. Absolutely. So your dad is a very famous soccer player. Is that where you get your work ethic from? I'd have to say 100%. Yeah. I mean, he, doing a quadruple major. Well, I mean, I don't get my academic work ethic from my dad. I mean, yes. he was a soccer player. Um, <laughs> but in terms of just, you know, yeah, as you say, uh, work ethic, just work really hard as, as, as I can, definitely comes from him. And he would work nonstop on anything he did. My mom has got two master's degrees, so definitely from her as well. It's. It's just something that's in us, in the Maponyani household, pushing ourselves to do something and knowing that if we put in the work, then it can be achieved is, has always been the main reason to, to keep going after something and not, not giving up. So I think that would definitely come from him in a big way. And he always taught me so many little traits that add up to a solid work ethic. And yeah, I'd have to attribute a lot of that to both of my parents. Maps. You're an absolute delight. You're an absolute inspiration. Is there anything that you would like to say to the listeners who want to get to where you are, who want to be an actor, TV presenter, designer, entrepreneur, so on, so on? What is your final message? Well, firstly, please sign a petition for me to be on the show longer. Um, Then I can actually (laughs) talk about it properly. But... In short, I'd say just just take that leap of faith. I know it's not easy. I know it's and I know it's kind of um, difficult to just try and go into it without knowing the right people and stuff. But that's honestly exactly how I did it. So I struggled with this thing when I was younger that people always said it's not what you know, it's who you know, mm. and that's. A statement I always find exceedingly problematic when I was about eight years old, when I was hearing it a lot. Yeah. And I could first sort of conceptualize it. And I'd say to my parents very naively, that's not fair at all. Yeah. Why, why is it because of that? So they said, you know, that's how the world works. And I mean, like, unless you can think of another way, then it just is what it is. So I used to deliberate over it in my mind. And I remember when I was about 13 or 14, and this is how I live my life actually came to what I think is a great alternative to that. And it's the fact that if you love what you do, are passionate about it, willing to put in the work, if you have those three traits, then you almost become the person that the who you know wants to know because you're so damn good at what you do that they can't ignore you. So I think focus a lot on just making sure that you get your talent out there as much as possible and be out there and eventually people will will want to know more about you and it's in your hands and I know a lot of time it's hard considering where you come from and stuff but all you need to do is just take that first step and eventually someone will notice you just saying I may want to become the sexiest man alive too 
that was very inspiring. Maps, you are wonderful. Thank you so, so much for being here, for being such a wonderful guest. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Maps Mapunyani on Twitter and Facebook. M-A-P-S-M-A-P-O-N-Y-A-N-E. Mapunyani, not Mapunyani. Um, and on Instagram, M-Mapunyani. M-A-P-O-N-Y-A-N-E. Thank you very much. See you tomorrow. Or the next day. <laughs> or the next day. You're amazing. Thank you, my darling. Thank you. Really, really thank you. What a legend. If you want to get hold of the Big Time Podcast, you can follow us all social media platforms at the Big Time ZA, or you can get hold of me at ClaudineUlman.com. You've been amazing. Thank you. Until next time, I hope you hit the big time.